This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. And you're listening to That's the Ticket. Uh, today I'm pleased to be welcome, welcoming a uh, frequent guest in my inbox to the show uh, and into in person, a fellow radio host and local reviewer, amongst other things. Kay Prestige is here. Kia ora, Kate. Kia ora. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate, we honestly, I'm surprised it took us this long to get here. <laughs> I'm just very honoured, very honoured to be asked. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying not to feel the pressure because yeah. uh, you've got big dog free FM energy, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you host the breakfast show, right? I do get to host a breakfast show, yeah, it's great fun. Thursdays is Thursdays. the day. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, um, um, you know, Mike Williams, I mean, he's all right. Mike's you okay. Know, he's okay, but I think <laughs> Thursday's where the action really is. And, <laughs> no, I do enjoy it. And um, um, Phil and uh, Mike were lovely, invited me to pick up a show about oh, five years ago. Mm. So it's been really good for me because I haven't played around with panels much since back in the days I did Radio 1 at um, Otago Uni. And uh, it was in the days where we were lining up carts and, um, and you know, queuing our LPs and things. So it was quite nice to come back to this kind of very cool digital setup. See, like, I can count on one hand the amount of times I've, like, played a CD on that the ticket. And every time I've done it, I've... The stress... <laughs> it's, I, I would, it's, it's similar to uh, being backstage crew where you're waiting, you spend like 20 minutes stressing about a 30-second set change, and that's me. I'm like, I'm going to have to push this button. Yeah. I'm going to have to push this button, and... Um yeah. I've been known to, despite the fact there's some quite clear instructions somewhere, I've actually been known to go next door, get Mike to come in and actually sh- remind me how to do it again, which he does with, with patience and and kindness, but um, I'm sure I, I'm pushing my luck if I... <laughs> if I try it again. I mean, that's the great thing about Free FM, though, is they provide a lot of awesome opportunities um, for us to kind of podcast and do live broadcasts and upskill and do amazing things. Yeah, they do. They're wonderful. Um, and lots of um, opportunities, actually, for some of our students. So mm. I work in, down in the School of Media Arts. And so we've done lots of little collaborations over the years but the students if they if they've written an opinion piece for example I'll get them to come up and actually practice recording it and Mm. you know then that might become Amber's turning some stuff we did into a little podcast to go with her free reign that's Amber Hamill the community um, community person here you know so there's all these little opportunities we've had students do interning you know doing the youth zone playlists and yeah so I think we're really lucky with this resource. Oh, how good is Free FM? But I mean, also, how good is um, Kate? <laughs> no, I just, I just mean because you're like, what, what do I normally say to my guests? You, you've been around the creative block a bit, <laughs> you know. Kind. You, no. you, you, you've been around, and um, before we went on air today, you kind of hinted. At, you had a few stories for me, and you said one of them was long. 
but um, you gave me a kind of preview that implied that it was quite cool. <laughs> well, I, don't, I, th- I might have overpromised on that, but no, it was more just the, you prompted me, when you asked me to come on, you kind of prompted me to think about why I started reviewing and mm. where all that started. And I mean, the first thing is, I mean, I'm a nouveau Hamiltonian, so I came to Hamilton in 2007, mm. which still feels, I think I'm still new. I don't think that... Uh, that, you know, you ever really be a, a, you're not really ever a true Waikato person if you haven't grown up here. But, you know, I was a Nuvo Hamiltonian and we only came here because of my husband's job mm. and and I wasn't, um, uh, we didn't want to come to Hamilton. We thought it was going to be a bit shit, you know, if I'm honest. But we've been delighted and it's just suited us so well and we actually, we've really loved it. Like, it, you know, poor old Hamilton, it kind of, people, people don't realise the uh, creative scene here is just so wonderful. And we've, found it such an egalitarian place and, mm. and full of opportunity. So we've I've just absolutely loved that. And I'll tell anybody that, that um, you, you don't dismiss this as a place of creative potential because it really is. But I started way, way back um, when I went to university. So I grew up in um, Te Tihi Omaru or Timaru on the um, east coast of the South Island. And if you were a kid in Timaru and you wanted to go to uni, you really only either went north to Canterbury or south to Otago. And every now and then someone would go tropo and go to like Massey and do vet. But it was pretty much, that was the option. So I went down to Otago and always loved English. And after briefly thinking I'd do law, majored in English. And in those days, this is kind of late 80s, mid 80s, late 80s, there wasn't a lot of... The, the theatre studies department was just developing. Mm. So it was run by a formidable and wonderful woman called Lisa Warrington. And there was only really an opportunity to do second year uni papers in theatre. So I grabbed those and absolutely loved that. And then the following year had a little uni baby. My, my, my boyfriend and I <laughs> had our first son. And then I had to kind of pedal back a bit for a bit while we mm. were doing the mum thing. And then was able, was really lucky that Roger Hall was teaching playwriting at Otago at the time. So I was able to finish my degree doing playwriting with Roger, with Roger Hall. Hall, which was phenomenal. And I got an A+, plus, which was very exciting. Yes, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I took that. And we got to put our plays on, um, just a little group of us got to put our plays on. And and he was wonderful and then invited some of us to keep collaborating on cabarets and things for the next mm. few years. So that was really cool. Um, but by then, Warren had started a PhD and so I went to Teachers College because I thought that would be a way of us because we had this little kid by then. Uh, that was a practical thing mm. to do. And I was kind of quite keen on teaching. And I started teaching, um, and anybody who is from Dunedin or knows about Dunedin will know Terry McTavish. I started my teaching career under Terry McTavish at Queen's High School. And Terry is like the doyen of the Dunedin theatre scene. And she's a wonderful, wonderful performer and actor and as a head of department really encouraged us to keep doing creative work outside of teaching. So I wrote little things and directed and was in the odd play. But to be fair, actually the acting side of it isn't so much my thing. There's some people who I know just live for it. They love it mm. and they have to do it. I am I really like being like the bossy boots behind the scenes doing the writing and directing. Similar and vibe. I love producing. Yeah, yeah. I so, just love emails. <laughs> Yeah, and that's and so I love all that and the creativity of you know working on set design and mm. things. So I, I lived, I, I'm, I can perform, but it's not. I don't live for it. So I always think you better to give that space to somebody who just has to do it. And so worked there teaching English and drama, which was so awesome under Terry. And then Warren finished his PhD, so we went off to a little country town in the middle of New South Wales. And so. 
at that point we had two kids and I thought uh, that life was over because, you know, we were moving to this little country town. It did have one theatre, but again, cool opportunities because I moved into a media job. So Mm. I worked in the local paper there and that's when I really started doing book reviews and writing opinion columns and things like that. And, um, And then for practical reasons, probably to fit in with the kids a bit more, I went back to teaching after doing that for a mm. while and that got me back into drama and uh, writing and directing in schools, which was really fun. And it, total contrast to Terry, my head of department in Australia was a really practical person, not a particularly creative person. So she just let me loose on all the productions and the creative stuff. So nice. that was brilliant. Whereas Terry, I was allowed to do the junior productions, but she kept an eye on me. And um, so that was really cool. So we did lots of fun stuff. And um, I introduced, I like to think I introduced Pantos to the central west of New South Wales, because that was a great way of um, being able to write and mm. adapt scripts. So as a as a director, I really liked scripts with lots of dialogue because I didn't just want to do musicals where only the kids that could sing could mm. get roles. I really wanted to have anybody who wanted to be in the play could be in it, could be in it. And even if they were just a bit of colour and movement up the back, they yeah. were still there. So I really wanted the actors to have a chance as well as the singers. So that was kind of that. And then my husband got a job in, back in New Zealand, so... <laughs> So back we came. So by this stage, I'd kind of done a bit of media and I'd done some teaching mm. and directing. And and we knew one, I didn't want to come here, as I mentioned before, but we did know one person here. And that person just happened to be the incredible Gail Pitaway. Oh, amazing. Who, way back at Queen's High School, had come and taught for a year and was just so, when I was a brand new teacher. And she was such a great mentor because she was such a, an accomplished teacher. So... Knowing Gail was just a coup because mm. Gail knew everybody, it seemed, in the arts scene. And she was reviewing at the time for the Waikato Times. So when she couldn't do shows, she'd loop me in and I think I covered the arts festivals and things. And it's just grown from there. And as she's done less over time with, you know, more family demands yeah. and things, I've just picked up a bit more space. So that's the kind of the long route as to how I got... That, to do reviewing. That was an incredible origin story, Kate. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to follow that. Oh, well, I, th- I do know how I'm going to follow that. I think I'm just going to break for a song so I can recalibrate. No, <laughs> I kid. But no, I've got a very important segment that I um, have to get in. And so I'm going to get it in at the top because I know that you and I are going to talk until the cows come home. But um, it's time for a uh, segment I have on the show called Rick's Pick. Oh, I don't exciting. Know. I've been excited about this. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm down. Um, so for those of you listening who um, don't know what Rick's Pick is, it's basically a segment I have on the show for my, uh, well, inspired by my dear Uncle Rick. So I have an Uncle Rick. He's a great uncle, great listener of music and radio. That's the ticket's uh, number one fan. And when I started the show here on Free FM about three years ago, he's like... Hannah, I'm going to give you a list, and every week you can play Rick's Pick, and every week we have. And I've, you know, it's the tradition has grown, and I've got this thing where I try and make all the songs I pick from the list on theme. And uh, this one, I feel like it, it'll work. It's, it, it's a song by The Cars, and it's called Tonight She Comes, because many a production uh, will think that about you on opening night, right? Because you're a reviewer. <laughs> it works. It's on theme. But um, it's also a bit of a banger. So, um, Uncle Rick, this one's for you, mate.
That was this week's uh, Rick's pick. Tonight she comes by the cars. Great pick, Uncle Rick. And um, tonight she has come to That's the Ticket. Uh, local reviewer, educator, general person with good chat, Kate Prestige is here. <laughs> um, I hope you're not re- reviewing today's episode, though. I don't know how I do. No, no, I won't review today's episode, but I do listen. So this is why I was excited about Rick's pick. And, I mean, I'm, look, I'm happy to... I'm happy to to trot out 200 words later, if you like, you know, <laughs> send it in. No, I mean, actually, have you ever recorded, I mean, I not recorded, sorry, reviewed 
I assume you would have reviewed like musical performances and like concerts and stuff. But I mean, do people review radio or podcasts? I don't, I don't know. We're gonna have to get you to review a radio play. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a that's a good point actually. Radio plays are so tough. You know, they can they can go flat so quickly, and yeah. and they can be really tough for people. So I, I mean, some people probably listen to the RNZ ones on the Sunday afternoon, but. Uh, yeah, I think radio plays are, are, oft, are the hardest of all because you've got none of the visual clue, mm. you know, none of those visual cues, none of the physical characterisation that you can, um, and all the interplay that you get on a stage show when you're watching them live. And I mean, I guess now I want to ask, like, what's your favourite genre, genre to review? But you don't have to answer that question if you don't want to. Oh, that's so I know, hard. I super on the spot. Yeah, yeah. I think... <sighs> Oh, look, it's probably a little bit the same as as my preference for directing. I, I really admire musicals and I really, really like them. Mm. Um, and I have talked to David Sidwell about this a little bit. But, you know, you can keep your Jesus Christ superstar with one line of dialogue. You know, I'm not, I would not be interested in directing that. I'm, but I'm very happy to go along and watch it and review. But I really like dialogue. I really like it mm. when characters can bounce off each other and there's a lot of um, engagement and... Um, character development and plot development through dialogue. So I probably like plays or musicals that have a lot of a lot of dialogue in them and a lot of okay. character. Yeah. All right. But you know um, the, the narrative being driven entirely by song. Mm. I, I don't love that as much. Although I'm very happy to review it because you can step back from that. So you've got your personal preferences, I suppose. But you step back from those and you still evaluate the thing for what it is yeah. and the art form and the skill that's um, on show whatever the genre but I mean this sounds like exactly what you want to hear from a reviewer <laughs> not that I'm any expert but I mean I feel like it's you know it's a kind of thing that comes with highlights and lowlights right and I always wonder like if you're reviewing something and it's not even if you're reviewing something that's not very good but like do you ever get like writer's block because I feel like going in to watch a show, knowing that you're going to have to write 200 words afterwards, I'm like, that's there's a level of pressure there, you know? Yeah. Oh, look, I've got better at sometimes, but but mostly, I mean, I can write like I can talk, so I can, <laughs> I can write <laughs> a lot. But I think some of it is before I go, I do a little bit of background mm. on the play so that I'm familiar with with the plot and with what's coming, particularly if it's new to me. So I'll do a little bit of background. I don't tend to do too much background on the show itself. I don't usually go into the Facebook pages and yeah. look at all of that because I think um, you just need to go in completely fresh but to, to the actual performers and the mm. production team. But I will do a bit of background on it. And I've got better over the years at not sitting and scribbling. So that was something that I used to admire Gail. I'd sometimes go as her plus one and she would just sit there and watch it and then afterwards go away and write. And I would be sort of writing and scribbling as I went. But I, I find now I actually don't need to do that so much. I'll sit with the program and maybe make a few notes mm. on the program. But you're sitting there in the dark anyway. So you go home and it looks like some rats kind of <laughs> walked across your page and you can't read it anyway. So I've got better at just sitting and watching. Um, and in terms of the writer's block, sometimes it can be hard to find the right phrasing for something mm. when there is something critical, you know, criticism that you've got to make. And it's trying to balance that in a way that 
is respecting and honouring the hours and months of work that's gone into the production, but also serving your audience in terms of if, if something really obvious has gone wrong or um, or, or the, the production just isn't vibrant or exciting, mm. you've got to find a way of saying that because your responsibility is actually to the people that are going to pay the money to go and see it. Yeah. So while I think reviewing is really, really important because it's a bit of cultural capital mm. and I think I do see it as a service and I do quite like it and I'm more than happy to fly under the radar a bit with it. You know, I do see that as um, honouring all the work that's gone in by all of the people on the production side and I think I get me, I wrap my head around that because I've, I've done it myself, you know, back in the day and so I know the Sunday afternoons and the, you know, lunch times and the evenings that go into shows. So I try to respect that but also you do have to come up with, you do have to be fair mm. and you've got to be um, balanced and it can't be all kind of chummy and lovey mm. if, if, you've, if there's actually stuff in there. So that's where it is the most difficult for me to write is where um, I want to, I need to write something that is either a bit constructive or a bit critical. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you, air quotes, book or ask some, someone to review, you are kind of signing up for that. But it, it is always hard, hard. Well, I say that like I've reviewed anything ever in my life. I haven't. <laughs> but I mean, I love a good in the car park review where yeah. like you get in the car and then you talk about everything. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I like what you said there about how if something goes wrong, like a technical difficulty or something, that's not going to pull the focus of the entire review because that's not something that can be changed. Like sometimes I, when people, when reviewers review the actual script of a show that's not devised, so, so where people have paid for the rights and it's very specific where you buy the rights, you cannot edit anything. I'm like, is it worth reviewing this because they can't actually change it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess you look at how well they do it and that yeah. and, and how well do they bring that script to life, even if it's a really well known mm. piece of work. What is it that they bring to it? Who 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 have they cast? How well do they do? Mm. How what are the production values like? You know, so you you'd kind of look at yeah, when when it's a really well known script, you're actually looking at how well they've realised it. Mm. When it's a piece of new work, um an, an original work and they're always a real a real treat and a real challenge. Yeah. They're, they're cool. So the Meteors Boil Up programs and things like yeah. that, there were some cool things there. The, that's when you really hone in on what's the what's the playwright trying to get across through this as well as the performances and so on. But, you know, you'd, yeah, you wouldn't bother unpicking Jesus Christ Superstar. You know, everyone pretty much knows how that one goes. Yeah, everyone knows what the buzz is with that one. Yeah. Um, but actually, that sparked <laughs> an, another question um, on the on the fly for you. But have you ever reviewed, like, a particular show more than once? So have you done Jesus Christ Superstar in 2000 and then Jesus Christ Superstar in 2014 or anything like that? That's a really good question. I have a feeling I might have done... I have a feeling... No, I think I, I went to Hairspray twice. Mm. I think the first time I went where it was you know, oh, this is going way back. What was it, Henry Ashby and oh, Nick Wilkinson yeah. and all of those ones. 2012? I, I went to that, but Gail was reviewing yeah. and I was Gail's plus one. But then I reviewed that at Riverley recently. Yeah. I don't know that I have done a, a double. Um, I'd have to I'd have to go away and have a little think. I feel like that would be, depending on how, you know, long the time period between would be, that would be really interesting as a reviewer. Yeah, I was quite tempted. Um, Mike didn't ask me, but I was quite tempted to 
go to review the um, that bloody woman, the, the yeah. Rotorua one, after seeing and reviewing the one here in Hamilton. Yeah. And um, but I mean, Mike was in the cast for that. Not the not, if, if he's directing. Um, it's I always appreciate getting invited to review. But in that one, I I, I couldn't get to the show, so mm. it's a moot point. But it would have been that would have been really interesting seeing those two interpretations and different versions of that. Because I mean, this is probably. Y- like based on your origin story and reading your reviews and your work, I know that you can write. But like, do you ever worry about that your reviews get too formulaic? Like, because you know, when you're writing for like papers or something like that, there's always a word count, and so you're like, okay, I did this for the show last time. Now I just got to change the titles and change the key points, but keep that format format. I think if you're starting out, there is a bit of a scaffold. So if I'm teaching reviewing, I would Mm. teach a little bit of a scaffold, which would be introduction, description, judgment, Mm. you know, that sort of thing. I think you can, you can a little bit. I think generally I would pretty much start with some sort of description Mm. or some sort of context or a bit of an introduction to it. So I've just done popcorn, for example. And, you know, that is very firmly rooted in the 90s. The context is really key to the whole story, which is the backdrop of um, kind of, the glamorising, I guess, of serial killers and mm. violence through Tarantino movies and natural born killers and all of that. And also on the back of trial by media, like the O.J. Simpson trial around the 94. So the context of that show is really important to the actual story. So I would usually start with a little bit of context or a little bit of um, an introduction in that respect. And then I try to get reasonably quickly into talking about the performances. I, I like to leave finish the review with something kind of a recommendation to mm. the audience so I do have that but I've, I'd be disappointed if it was really formulaic but what what the limits that I have got they're less than they used to be because fewer things get put into print mm. now but typically I've got probably four to five hundred words to play with but with online now with um, most of the Herald stuff that I do on going online you can actually write a lot longer, but I don't have quite the freedom that, say, some of the other reviewers who are writing for their, you know, their Facebook mm. pages, their review pages. You know, I always love reading, you know, Ross uh, McLeod's work because Ross Ross can be really expansive and kind of loquacious with his language in a way that um, the the readership of say the Herald where you've got to think about probably an average readership age of about 12 when you're pr- printing mm. stuff in the media. Um, so I pull back a little bit from some of some of that, but I really enjoy reading it in other people's reviews. So it's getting that balance between being expressive and descriptive enough, having a bit of opinion in there, telling the audience a little bit about the show and and also, you know, giving a nod to those people that have done really good work. I mean, the poor old directors, they always, the poor, the poor directors, they, they always miss out and um, often the crew miss out because it's one of those things, if it's going really well... You don't see them, you don't notice. Then kudos. If yeah, you have yeah, a bit. yeah. And it's really only... I've got some pet hates, which are kind of the lowlights, but, um, yeah, I always feel bad if I don't mention the director and then afterwards... Um, realise that I've not mentioned them and I know that they're the ones doing yeah, they're the ones, from the very genesis yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're the ones that have done all the work so I do try to give the directors a shout out if I can um, but you mentioned pet hates yeah do you want to get into it yeah oh look I do have a few pet hates let's and, go um, 
Well, some of the low lights are just like sometimes having to rush and you get somebody's mm. name spelt wrong. That's always just really stink. And I, you always get dragged for it. Yeah. And so um, that's always not very good. Uh, if it's kind of a sort of a dull play and you've just got to you've just got to mention it, but it, it doesn't happen very often. I think mm. every play has got merit. Every performer's got merit. Sometimes there'll be somebody who's been a, like miscast. I think, mm. but uh, mostly, you know, you're not there to to flog those things. Um, some of my pet hates, though, are um, like just duddy duds, like really fussy scene changes, or just. Um, overly kind of just overly clunky and sometimes pointless scene mm. changes when I my philosophy is the audience have already suspended their disbelief by paying money to come and watch you. They know it's not real. We yeah. know it's not real. So you need to just let us go with that and a suggestion or a cast member moving some set or actually in popcorn it was really good. They just had a, a lectern in the corner for one scene. That was all that was required. But mm. And I know that the old revolving stage does need to be used often for things, but yeah, just overly fussy set changes when actually the audience is sophisticated enough to understand a representation mm. of a scene. We don't necessarily need the really clunky wheels of the rostrum being kind of barreled on and off and these poor sweaty stage crew trying to <laughs> trying to manage yeah. things. So I did really like, I do think that, Lighting can be and projection can be a really effective way around that. And there was mm. a, that wonderful scene in Young Frankenstein, um, you know, the hayride scene, mm. where they just use projection to huge effect there. And it was things like that. I think are, are great. But yeah, so um, and the other the other pet hate that I've got and. Oh look, I'm being I'm hesitating Don't now worry, slightly. After this, All right. after this, we'll go into highlights. So yeah. we're not high. <laughs> it's it's just. Sometimes audiences, particularly in some of the smaller community theatre things, can just be just super self-indulgent and noisy. And while I totally get that balance between really wanting to support your people up on stage, uh, it can be really distracting. Yeah, you got to read the for, room for the rest of the audience. And I've sat in shows in the, even in the last six months where, you know, the director and the director's mates have just talked constantly and yelled and talked through things, and it's a bit like. You want to support them, but also, um, you know, yeah, just just dial it back a bit because sometimes it, it does become a bit more about the, the person in the audience, not the actual stay, the show. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. And it's, it's weird because theatre, when, like, you've watched an incredible scene or an incredible number and we're all united and doing a little standing ovation or a clap, we're all like, yeah, looking at each other being like, yes, we've just shared this awesome thing. But then... The other side of that, up until that moment, I'm sitting there being like, I want to enjoy this with strangers and darkness and silence. <laughs> like, it, it, it's just, it's, it's a weird space, but I, um, Tōtoku, what you've said, but I did say we'd get into the highlights. Do you have any highlights? <laughs> Reviewer, reviewing highlights. Oh, well, in terms of, sh well, just generally, reviewing highlights are that you are, I, I'm privileged to be able to see the kind of the creative. Uh, the creativity, I guess, of the arts community. Mm. I get to go to a lot of different shows. You're seeing startup shows that are like $15 a ticket at the Meteor and then I'm seeing, you know, other bigger name productions, maybe sometimes touring productions if it's for theatre view. Mm. And so you're getting to see, but particularly local, just the, you know, the, the local arts community. And the last show 
uh, before Popcorn, I think was Young Frankenstein that I saw. I could see people in the cast from that that I'd seen a couple of years earlier and things like Beauty and the Beast. And it, yeah. or, and it was lovely to see that progression of those young talent coming through. So that that's one of the things that's really cool. Um, I think it's kind of a general highlight that critiquing a show sort of honor it honors the production it honors the director it honors the all the work that goes on behind the scenes so by coming in and, and having that critical gaze on it you are actually i think i mentioned cultural capital before you're creating a a piece of cultural capital you're giving people the chance to get their names in print you're mm. you're giving people a bit of a shout out and you know it's, yeah so i'm quite mindful of that that responsibility so it's always good to recognize a a good performance. So there's some of the the highlights, um, just in general terms. Gosh, in terms of shows. Oh, I mean, we don't have to mm. go that deep if you don't I, want to. I can tell you one that okay, blew me away. <laughs> it blew me away because, uh, and it was Urine Town by Bold oh, Theatre yes. a few years ago. And the reason it blew me away, gosh, it was maybe five or six years ago. It was yeah, one was of the like 2018, yeah. 2017, something like that. It was one of the really early bits from Bold. I'd seen it at the Sydney Theatre Company with Lisa McCune, who was a big Aussie actor at the mm. time, and um, David Campbell, who is Johnny ba- uh, Jimmy Barnes's son, who big th- stage performer. And I'd seen it at the Sydney Theatre Company with my mum when she was over on holiday. You and it got was to take really, your really good. Got to take your mum. But then when I saw the Bold Theatre Company version of mm. that here, the energy and the... Yeah, I was really, really impressed with that because I think I'd seen this very polished mm. professional production and then I saw this one and it was absolutely equal to it. And I remember thinking, I think Bold and some of the other theatre companies have really um, provided just another great source of um, creative outlet and production and performance for people. So I think we're, you know, we've got a really good range of theatre performance. We've got Carving and Ice, you know, we've got mm. just, yeah, all the different groups doing quite different things. So I think we're quite lucky. But that was a performance that uh, I wasn't expecting to be as great as it was. Yeah. And I was really, really um, thrilled with it. I feel like a lot of people went into that one with that perspective because, like, I hadn't even heard of it. And then I got to know it very well because, uh, fun fact, friend of the show, my dear sister, Missy Mooney, um, was one of the stage managers on that. And so as soon as, you know, we live together, so as soon as someone's working on a show, the other one gets to know that show. <laughs> but, like, it was great. Um, so, you know, kudos to Bold and actually a little plug for Bold. They've got um, the Bold Encore coming up soon where they're celebrating five years of Bold and um, they're getting people back to perform uh, scenes and pieces and songs from their past productions, which I think is an awesome idea. So um, visit themeteor.co.nz for more info and uh, tickets to that one. But do not do it if you're driving right now. Um, pull over. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to break for another song because uh, Kate has been um, a mate and uh, given me some tracks to play. And um, I'm going to start off with uh, Don't Go Back by Marlon, Marlon Williams. Can I ask why you picked that one? Oh, I just, I think it's reasonably new. So mm. Phil Gray, the station manager here at Free FM, would have popped it on the playlist because it was a new song. And mm. uh, I just think it's fun. I think he's he's doing some fun stuff and it's just a boppy little song. So if you are driving, you can do some, you know, some proper head nodding yeah. while, you're, while you're driving along. You just flick your little indicator and type don't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, enjoy uh, this bop from Kate. 
is shifting, all the night moves coming out. Conversation you could do without your bow to think. She's got her finger in her mouth, and you know what that's about. Don't have to tell you what you already know. If you got something to uphold, you don't let the devil leave you low. You're dynamite, and I know you think you might, but don't leave yourself tonight. Welcome back to That's the Ticket with Hannah Mooney and today's guest, uh, Kate Prestige, who supplied their absolute bop. Um, that's what I needed. <laughs> I didn't know I needed it, but uh, Marlon Marlin Will- Williams, don't go back. Don't go back on that track. Don't sleep on that track. It's a bop. Um, look up Marlon Williams. He's uh, one of our country's gems. I'll I'll leave it there, otherwise I'll she's, just... She's fangirling. I'm fangirling yeah. a little bit. Um, <laughs> hey, we haven't even... We've barely touched the surface on Ladyhawk, Kate. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We did... We Hannah's broken my heart by not playing a Ladyhawk track, but we have bonded over the fact that we both love her, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all mates um, today. But uh, if you're just joining us, I've been getting um, a jolly good dollop, a jolly good inside scoop on reviewing. You've been very informative, Kate. Like, I feel like I'm learning... And normally I just sit here and run my mouth, so it's probably good for me. Um, my mum has texted in saying, great show, so thank you, mum. Um, she always gets a shout-out every show, just like Uncle Rick. 
But um, as we're entering kind of the last segment of the show, um, I wanted to, and I don't know if you get asked this often, but like, you know, we've been talking a lot about writing and you've already been dishing up some solid tips, but, um, you know, obviously you teach and stuff and you deal with a lot of kind of rangatahi and up-and-coming writers and reviewers, but like, what's, what's the tip? What's, what's the advice you give to people when they're like, hey, I want to get into this? Well, I think, the, look, the advice is just have a go. That's, that's the first thing. And, and I know that is a little bit of a cliche. Have a go, write about things you know. I think if I've got students, so I, I teach media and communications down at the School of Media Arts at Wintech, and I think the one thing I would be reasonably careful with is if I've got students that want to go and review shows... I, I do think they need to have a bit of knowledge of it. Mm. So they need to have been um, either been in shows or have a little bit of a background to it or have at least, you know, um, you know some, yeah, some theatre knowledge. So I think one of the things is what make, would make a good reviewer or writing tips is to have some context and some knowledge of the theatre so that you're not just writing your opinion because opinions, it's great. You've got to have an opinion in a review, but that you're writing it in an informed way. So you can talk about the staging or the lighting or the characterisation in a way that is is not just describing it and saying, oh, yeah, I liked that. But you're actually doing it in a way that's going to also um, recognise, I guess, some of the craft that sits in behind it, either the stage craft or the production um, craft um, with a set design or, I mean, really good lighting, you know, lighting people, hats off, you know, they often are totally unsung, but their work often just really creates atmosphere and it can lift a, um, a dull scene sometimes mm. if the actors aren't quite well, <laughs> doing their, and it's, it's like their you alluded to earlier in the show that like you don't notice like you don't notice lighting unless it's bad you know or or if it's not at the level it should be you, yeah it it it's a shame it goes unnoticed when it's really awesome because you're just like, oh, this just makes perfect sense. This is amazing. And then you, you have to stop and think and be like, oh, actually, this is a conscious choice and some really awesome creative thinking that made this awesome kind yeah, of and I did it happen. <laughs> That's right. And I do try to always mention the certainly the director or the production team, but I don't always succeed. And so the criticism is always that when the show's great, the, the, yeah. the director never gets a mention. But if the show's not great, then the you know, director gets the blame. So... I don't know that that's entirely true, but I do think that um, sometimes, you know, it is the director's responsibility to get the performance out of the actors. And while the actors have to bring their physicality and their voice and, and they have to do all the work conning their lines and doing all of that, it, it is the director's job to make to make the characters flow and mm. to pull together the action. And so if it does drag a bit... Or if um, somebody like there was a, a great show recently, a huge sellout performances. Um, you know, they it was a hugely, hugely successful show. But one of the lead um, actors, I just had a real problem with because they were not. Um, there was no real light and shade in the mm. character at all. But it was a technically quite difficult play, and they'd put a huge amount of effort into a couple of quite big technical scenes. I think at the expense of the the character work. But that's such a hard thing to do. And it, maybe it was another few weeks and it would have been sorted. Mm. But um, those are situations where you've got somebody who, just for whatever reason, the director hasn't been able to focus on really guiding those performances mm. and um, because they've, they've had a big focus on another crucial part of the show. So, yeah. 
And another question that sprung into my mind on like tips for reviewers. If you're starting out, is it appropriate to get another reviewer to review your review before the review goes live? I haven't thought about that. Uh, if it was one of my students, I'd review it. I'd, yeah. Because I always edit anything that's going up on our Waikato Independent website. Mm. Uh, but I'd be quite comfortable. So a couple of years ago, some of you all know uh, Kate Jury, who's one of our Friend grads, of the show. Um, friend of the show. That's great. So Kate was one of our students doing our bachelor's degree a couple of years ago, and she was also... Um, doing the very clever thing that you can do, plug for my com- my courses, if you do our Bachelor of Communication, if you pick certain electives mm. and you do an internship with a certain value of rating, you can also get the credits to go towards the Diploma in Journalism. So Kate was a clever girl and she did this. And because Kate had been in some theatre shows, mm. um, I was quite comfortable sending her along to go to Madagascar and to work with one of our photographer uh, students um, to to go and cover shows and write previews because I knew that Kate had some theatre knowledge and then I'd edit the work before it went up. So I would typically have those car park conversations. So if I was mm. going with a friend and I've got a few three or four friends that I take along and they all bring different perspective, I tend to have a car park conversation to get their steer on it and that makes me... It kind of confirms what I've been thinking mm. usually and then I'll go away and write it. But yeah, if you were starting out... I'd be more than happy to help anybody and I think having a critical friend is a good thing. I mean, I feel like we all have a critical friend, but I mean, I love how we're both on the same vibe with uh, the car park conversations or car park corridors, copyright Hannah Mooney. Because um, <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, we all do it, you know, and it's you, you'll do it once in the foyer and then you'll do it in the street and then you'll do it. It'll just, it's just like a travelling chat to unpack what you've just seen and it's it's great... Um, you know, when a show is reviewed, that it helps carry on that conversation. Because I'll go see a show, talk to my mates about it in the car park, then I'll see Kate's review about it the next morning, and then the group chat will be going off. And so I, I feel like, you know, it, maybe it's just me, but it's it's awesome that uh, reviews can be a vehicle in that sense to keep people talking about the arts and about productions. Yeah, and, and, and particularly even if you disagree, you know, thinking mm. about why you disagree and what it was that you thought or if you think they've missed something, all of that just helps embed your own kind of knowledge and reflective process thinking about a piece of work. You know, it was I always really enjoy after the fact. I never read anybody's reviews until mine's gone to bed, but um, I always like reading the reviews later. Mm. And sometimes reviewers will have quite a different take on things yeah. or they will have picked up something in a more fulsome way than I have, or they've maybe got some more words to work with than me, which is always a bit sad. But so, so what would be a really jealous. cool experiment would be getting you to review something on opening night and then review the same thing on closing night. Yeah. That would be brilliant. Well, I mean, an example is one of the plays that I've just I've just reviewed and I had to, I, I thought about it for ages, but in the end I did include the fact that one of the characters had corpsed a couple of times mm. during the show because it, it did stall and the the two women behind me who kept talking quite a lot audibly kind of, oh, he's lost his lines. And there was, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. It, was, it was very, very noticeable. And while you can kind of, you certainly would forgive some opening night nerves or some technical things and things like that. But in this particular instance, it happened a couple of times and it genuinely disrupted the flow of the script and the second one, it seemed to jump ahead a bit and and it was tricky because the rest of the cast 
it's it stalled, it stalled yeah. everything in a quite a noticeable way. Now that'll be gone by the by the next show. Nobody mm. will feel worse about that than the actor exactly, and the director. Yeah. But it was still one of those things that because it was really obvious, I noticed. But other times, I'll just mention a couple of drop lines or a couple. Mm. Of, but in this case, it was quite significant to the to the impact of of the scenes. So, but as a review reader, even if I saw that, I'm like. I kind of, I kind of want to go now to see if they do it, you know. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's probably just me being like the worst. But um, time really is getting away on us, so I'm going to jump into my uh, last segment of the show, which is upcoming events. So I mean, Kate, you can just have a chill. You can interject if you wish. Um, but uh, here's some of the cool uh, creative stuff coming up in Kitty Kitty Roar. Uh, shout out, uh, firstly, to last week's guests um, from Ha Ha Hamilton She'll Be Right Comedy Night. It's running at Navarra Lounge on the 12th of October from 8pm. Tickets are available right now via Event Finder. And um, then over at Rivley Theatre, Kate mentioned that she recently reviewed Hamilton Playbox's Popcorn by Ben Alton. That's uh, popping off at Rivley right now and uh, running until the 21st of October with 7.30pm shows and a couple of 2pm matinees thrown in there too. Full details and tickets at iTicket. And then over at the Meteor, they've got the Nairobi Trio in for one night only on the 12th of October with a 7.30pm show. More info on tickets at themeteor.co.nz. And then lastly, Clarence Street has the ultimate musical showdown. On uh, Friday the 13th of October, the Alton John vs. Billy Joel tribute show is in at 7.30pm with more info on tickets at Ticketek. Now, Kate... I don't know if you're aware that I've recently um, added a new question to that the ticket because we've spent the almost hour um, getting the tea on TTT. Now I want to ask you, how do you take your tea? How do I take my tea? Okay, it's a literal question, isn't it? Um, yeah. uh, I have, uh, I'm not a big tea drinker. I drink, but I do drink uh, a, like a fruit tree, tea, like cranberry. Okay. Nothing added to it. Cranberry or super fruits or something. You're not having cranberry and milk? No, nah, <laughs> no, we're not We're not going that way. So weak and black and, or, or herby tea. Yeah. Okay. How do you take your coffee? Oh, I like my coffee really really strong so okay. um, I get beans from Ascenza who are local local, and they get sent to my house and then we grind them up at home so yeah I'm, I am a, a, a bit of a coffee a coffee snob. See that's the thing the tea question you, you'd be surprised how many times I get I don't really drink tea and so then it becomes a coffee question so I'm glad I asked <laughs> I'm also glad um, that you gave me your time today Kate it's been bloody lovely Oh, thanks for inviting me, Honestly, it was great well, we'll have to do this again sometime because I feel like we've barely scratched the surface We mate. will and, and I'm off to She'll Be Right on Thursday night so I'm looking forward to that but I'm not reviewing that I'm just going with, You're just going for a going laugh? With the fam for a laugh Oh and, that's great Yeah but I'm looking forward to Footloose I think I'm um, Reviewing and oh, I know yes. some other stuff. So thanks for having me. Hey, anytime, anytime. And I'm going to play you out with another song of your choosing. Um, it's a song called Wavy. Why'd you pick that one? Just because it's another bop? Again, look, Raglan, <laughs> Raglan guy, young young guy from Raglan, who I think he's now up in Auckland, uh, Maroki. Mm. It's reasonably new song. It's just another one that's just a, a cool little vibe, and I think this is a cool little show. So I wanted to pick songs that were kind of boppy and fun, Hannah, because I think you do a great boppy, fun little show here. So that's um, the enjoy greatest wavy. review I've ever had. Great boppy and fun show. Oh well, thanks, Kate, and to my lovely listeners, I'll be back next week. So until then, Matiwa etefano.
I feel the colors are going somewhere. The green and red, it all leads me up there. And I can feel that I'm taking flight. There is something I want to find. I let it go and it leads me to you. I see the movement in your tattoo. I can feel that we're taking flight. There is something I want to find. Do you know somewhere maybe we can go? You said you know this place you can never fall with someone else. Let you by yourself. Maybe I can float where you can glow. We can forget the past. Maybe we can start all over again. All over. Wavy when you see me, I wanna see you dancing for some time. Tell me you're not leaving. I wanna see you dancing in this light. We could move side to side, left and right, get Time. This trip is taking us further in time. Don't wanna see the end of this night. If you want, I can stay with you. Spin around on an endless loop. Do you know somewhere maybe we can go? You said you know this place you can never fall for someone else. Now you're by yourself. Maybe I can float where you can go. We can forget the past. Maybe we can start all over again. All over. Wavy when you see me, I wanna see you dancing for some time. Tell me you're not leaving. I wanna see you dancing in this light. We could move side to side left and. Use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.